Thanks for listening to the Zane Batla podcast. We officially have merch, and right now, 100% of the profits are going to PCRF, Palestine Children's Relief Fund. We got hoodies. We got t-shirts. And again, 100% of the profits going right to PCRF. Don't forget to like, comment, and subscribe. And I want to thank you for supporting my work. Welcome to the Zane Batala podcast. I am here with Zane Batala himself. I will be hosting this podcast today. Actually, I, w- I won't be. This is, uh, this is Zane's time to shine. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Happy, <laughs> <laughs> man. Thank you for having me on the pod. Of course, bro. This is uh, long overdue, man. Long overdue. I mean, just not just the podcast, but just in general, linking up together. We've been struggling to do that mm-hmm. for some time. Uh, funny thing, how we met was on Clubhouse yeah. back in the day when Clubhouse was popping for a whole three weeks. Yeah, this was three years ago? Three years? Like it, was, it was during the pandemic, like early 2021. Mm-hmm. And then we just hopped into a random Clubhouse. It was probably some anime-related thing. Because 100%. We were talking about anime after the fact. Mm-hmm. But um, you were like, oh, I live in Chicago. And I'm like, oh, I'm actually moving there. Yeah. Um, so then we were like, all right, we'll make moves once you move here. Yeah, and that's when um, you invited me to the, uh, the Ramadan, uh, what's called the Haftar. Like yeah. Crib, so. The thing is, we did one la- uh, in 2022 when, mm-hmm. when, when you came. And then in 2023, we didn't do one um, mm-hmm. because we met even more people <laughs> and we were like bro the there was already like 20 plus people in our 2022 iftar and we were like bro 2023 iftar would be like 50 people right 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 so just we just didn't do it hey, so next time you got to do it at the zane Batula podcast uh, right. headquarters you're right <laughs> hq we just gotta get you know 100 people to pull up here now yeah or we could do it at the the coffee shop you were at oh yeah I'm, uh, Muslim, Muslim of the world yeah so you did some uh, you performed there uh, earlier last year, or um... yeah. So um, last, this was almost a year and a half, almost two years ago. Um, this is when, so me and my comedy group, Terminal Five Comedy, as you know, as I know, um, yeah. we were doing our tour, and Indianapolis was part of the tour. So we reached out to Muslims of the World because they only had Indianapolis locations at the time. So we reached out to them. They were down to um, have us use their location, like to do comedy. It was our, I believe it was our first or second time ever doing like a cafe show. So, and they already had a stage and everything set up. So it was very, very convenient. So we did our first show there um, and we built a good relationship with them. So, and they just had their grand opening in Lombard, which is my hometown. So right down the street from me. So I just, I went up there. Bigger space, good vibes. Uh, we're planning to do another show there, hopefully either before Ramadan or after Ramadan. So we're not sure yet, but um, I'm excited, man. It's a it's a nice, nice spot. Like the aesthetic is great. I mean, it's it's weird to see that Muslims pulled up at a coffee shop at 10 a.m. You yeah. know, so, <laughs> it's like damn, we wake up early. This is uh, this is new. So yeah. yeah, but Alhamdulillah, man, it was a good time, good vibes. No, that's that's dope, man. So I mean, your group Terminal Five, they um, they you know, performed at the Indiana location and you guys went on tour last year, right? Yeah, so this was about a year and a half ago. We did our first ever tour. This was, we had uh, Indianapolis, St. Louis, New York. Um, We had, uh, I believe it was in Canada, we did Kitchener-Waterloo in Ottawa and uh, we collaborated with our boy Hassan Phils and then we ended it up in Chicago because that's hometown, so... 
And um, yeah, man, that was our first ever tour. And then right after that, we didn't do another tour. Like we started doing like almost every month or every other month we do like a new city. So we just announced it as, as like a city. So we recently just came back from Houston and Dallas. So we did both in that same weekend. And that was uh, fun, man. We sold out both shows. So it was uh, awesome. very successful. Um, I'm going back to Houston and Dallas soon. So um, my boy Rami um, is doing his tour. Um, let's talk about it. So his is mainly a Palestine-based uh, material, an hour that he whipped up in like a month's time. And he's talking about all like the Israeli propaganda and BS that's happening. And it is an, it is an incredible, a very, very incredible hour. And I'm super excited to be a part of it and on his journey. So it's, uh, I'll be joining him in Houston and Dallas, uh, and San Francisco. So that's, uh, that's dope, bro. No, that sounds very exciting. And the theme of that show, obviously, I don't know how much you can say about it, but mm -hmm. when I was looking at the cover, he was almost on the couch similar to going to therapy mm -hmm. so is it when he says like comedy experience is it kind of kind of be like that where uh it's going to be more of an experience rather than a show or yeah so it's it's, it's a mix of like okay well he's talking like of course it's, it's stand-up comedy but then he, he wants to talk about like his experience as a palestinian and what he sees through like an american palestinian lens you know of what's happening you know and exposing the bs Mm -hmm. um, and educating the people so and he's very very excellent at doing that like I feel like I feel like he uh, like he thinks he's not smart enough but he is very very smart you know so like uh, maybe just being humble I don't know but like he's yeah. he is excellent 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 um, he ran his hour for the first time here in Chicago a month ago and like one of the clips uh, I chopped it up for him edited it, and we posted it and it did excellent numbers on both TikTok and Instagram so and once he had that, he was like, yo, people want to see this. People want to see more. Yeah. And that's, that was just 45 seconds of the whole hour. Like, just yeah. like he, had, he had like so much to say within a 45 second bit of exposing like all of Israel's BS. Like, imagine what he's saying in the hour. And I'm saying right now, I'm telling you right now, yeah. it, is, it is incredible. It is yeah. incredible. No, so, I mean, uh, I, I'm sure the uh audiences from the tour dates but uh they'll definitely try to tune in mm -hmm. um you said you're going to houston dallas san francisco so is he going to come in with this full-fledged experience and then you're just going to like <laughs> pop in with your hey with your man so I, I work at a gas station <laughs> um i do have some palestine material that i've been writing as well so it's um and a little bit of like stories of me and rami so like i'm going to be incorporating that like me traveling stories as well but I'm trying to hit the key points of the things about Palestine that's going on. It's also newer material as well that I want to run. Um, I feel like uh, my lens and his lens are a little bit different, but um, he's going on a more educational route. I'm more going on like a, like, <laughs> I feel like I'm going off the rails, you know, but it's a, uh, it's exciting. It's, it's exciting. Let's let's just say let's just say uh, Abu Abed is in the picture. Oh, all right. <laughs> um, I'll give you a little snippet. There's a. All right, let's get the snippet. When uh, Abu Abed like first started like popping up on Al Jazeera, like Palestinians see this guy as a hero. Also, my algorithm is completely screwed now. But 
<laughs> this guy is a hero to a lot of Palestinians because you know we don't have we don't have a we don't have an army, you know. Yeah. But Obama is that guy, you know. And uh, when I was at Masikna, Masikna is like, like for those who are not Muslim watching, but it's like Comic Con but for Muslims. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought of it it's, like it's, that. It's, just, it's just a whole bunch of it's except like, you know. The, it's it's not costumes, it's real. So <laughs> <laughs> you're saying the the hijab and the the thobe, they're costumes. Yeah, in a way? yeah, you know, it's it's, it's just for massacre time, you know. After that, they they take it. No, <laughs> they, they, they don't. But um, when I was walking through the bazaar, um, one of the booths, they were selling Abu Abeda merch. Yo, yo, you got that new Abu Abeda? I bought five, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I had to represent, man. Dang, you just see uh, Abu Ubaidah's shoe line. He has like a Jumpman type logo. <laughs> Where it just went, it was just him going. Wow, wow. <laughs> Nike swoosh in the background. But but, uh, but yeah, man, people rapping, bro. People were like, just like, oh, what's going on? But uh, even one of my even one of my friends, like, uh, he's like big Abu Ubaidah fan. Like he was like he wrapped the hood of his car of this obnoxious huge picture of Abu Ubaidah and the Palestinian flag in the background. Wow, and. Like, I feel like Palestinian Americans think they're, like, tough. Like, I don't know, like, what, what they think, like, they think they could be, like, in Palestine, like, fighting for Palestine, like, on the front lines. Like, oh, man, we'll love, bro, I'll, I'll fight for my country, bro, I'll do it. I'm like, you're not tough, you're not that guy, you can't be a hero. I feel like he, I feel like he thinks, like, he can be, like, uh, like, driving, like, on Lower Wacker, like, yo, I'm in the underground tunnels, bro, like, it's not the same, it doesn't correlate, you know? But, um... It's like there's no signal. It's like, oh, it's not the same. You know? <laughs> but uh, yeah, like it's um, I don't know. Like they're not heroes, man. Like I feel Palestinian Americans think they're tough. Like they, they can't be tough. Like yeah, I mean, I think it's part of the whole diaspora because even with when I try to draw connections to uh, people in Pakistan, right? Mm -hmm. Pakistan economy is complete complete garbage right now. Mm -hmm. Like their inflation's so bad there, and they've had such bad instances of crime. Obviously, they're not an occupied population. They have their own government, but their government is so corrupt. Um, it's just a military controlled um, uh, government, mm -hmm. and you go there and you're just like. Pakistan Zindabad, you, you know, you have this Zindabad. high level of Pakistan pride. Imran um, Khan, we love you, man. Yeah, <laughs> hashtag free Imran Khan. Yeah. Um, but like the Pakistanis here, they have all this Pakistani pride and they're, uh, you know, oh, we love our country. But it's it's almost like if they do go back and see, um, uh, you know, what's happening in the country, like mm -hmm. would they even survive, you know, uh, long term in that country if they were to move there yeah. and then similar to not similar like Palestinians obviously occupy they're, they're not even recognized as a country yeah it's like none of the palestinians that are here uh, what like they wouldn't be able to even fathom experiencing what what's happening in Gaza right yeah, now yeah man like i there's no way i can relate you know i've never been even personally myself i've never been to palestine well wow. like my whole life I, I lived in jordan for three years like palestine's parking lot but like it's not like the same <laughs> it's not the same you know yeah. That's where most of my uh, most of my extended family lived. Like all my uncles and aunts, like they migrated from Palestine to um, to Jordan. Like my dad was like three years old. Migrated or were they kicked out? Um, they migrated um, because 
a few of my uncles and aunts stayed behind. Um, so, because their old house that they stayed in was is, is the same house that's there, but it's because the the area that the, my dad is from is Al, uh, it's Al Khalil and and specifically uh, Hebron. So he, um, I don't know the exact story, but from what I understand, that like they were just like economy was bad in Palestine, of course, and they need they, they, it's it's almost as if they were kicked out. You know, they yeah, had to they had way. to in a way they were like they they needed to search for a better opportunity. They had, their family was growing. Like after my dad, because my grandma was just popping, bro. My dad has like eleven siblings, <laughs> so. She was just popping baby after baby. It's like, yeah, this this house is too small, bro. We gotta. <laughs> I mean, uh, it's really it was really military and approving, man. So, <laughs> I mean, they do make that claim that oh, if you guys are being genocided, how is your population increasing over time? It's like, yeah, because for every one you kill, they'll just create two, three more. Yeah. Um. That's that's how yeah, they're banging their way through genocide. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, it's, it's messed up to say, but yeah, that's a, that's that's what's happening, man. Malik's in the background, like, what the hell is this guy talking about? <laughs> and he's like, I'm gonna edit that out 100. <laughs> yeah, we'll uh, Speaking of edited out, whenever I'm talking to Malik or just in general, I recently got uh, exposed to that uh, MTZ tube uh, or MTZ cribs. Video? Oh, the edited it out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, that was the OG, man. Yeah. That's from way back when. I feel like I've learned a lot more about Arab culture over the years. Mm -hmm. um, you know, mostly because I married a Palestinian, but mm -hmm. also because of just living in Chicago, being exposed to uh, Palestinian culture, Palestinian tradition, mm -hmm. um, and also over the past, you know, hundred days. Of course, what's happening to Palestine is so unfortunate, but it's like not just me, not just Muslims, but non-Muslims too. This has been an opportunity for them to be educated. Mm -hmm. um, okay, before 1948, there was you know this full strip of land, Palestine, and then the Zionists basically started to um, you know their their settlements started to overtake the Palestinian land and mm -hmm. started to as they call uh, as it's called the Nakba, uh, mm -hmm. you know, drive them out of. Their land, you know, there was mass killings then, and there's obvious mass killings now that, um, you know, revolve around the same theme that you and Rami would talk about in your comedy. Um, I mean, it's not comedic, but it, I'm sure there's a little bit of dark humor mm -hmm. in certain instances. And I'm drawing connections to like Hassan Minaj, for example. Mm -hmm. um, I don't know if Rami has any inspiration or any. Uh, people that he looks up to or people that you look up to in, mm -hmm. in comedy. What's crazy is like with Rami, like uh, when his clip went viral, people were drawing, were drawing a lot of correlations to Hassan, even tagging Hassan in the comments. Oh, wow. It's like, because what Rami is doing, he's exposing the absurdity uh, behind what's happening. And if we can laugh at how absurd that is, then I feel like it's okay to talk about it, you know? Yeah. Uh, not talking about like specifically like he just he was mentioning this um, on our podcast. Um, he was saying like we're not laughing at what's happening, but at how absurd like the other yeah. side is. You know what I mean? So, um, I mean it's laughable at this point because there's maybe over. I'm just 
saying for the sake of having a number, like over 100 things that you claim that Israel did mm -hmm. uh, over the course of the past 100 days, right? Mm -hmm. And these 100 things can be directly linked as either symptoms or directly proving a genocide, right? Mm -hmm. If there's 100 things, if I'm an Israeli, maybe at least one or two things, I'd be like, you know what? Maybe we are in the wrong. Maybe we did do that. But it's like you're claiming that all 100 of these things, you've just mm -hmm. completely debunked it. It's all Palestinian propaganda, Hamas propaganda. Mm -hmm. um, you know, oh, they're lying about the numbers. Oh, the beheaded babies actually happened. Mm -hmm. um, oh, the hospitals, Hamas blew them up. There's underground tunnels uh, in the hospital. Like all this stuff's been debunked. Mm -hmm. uh, so as you say, it's almost laughable that I can't believe that there's people out there, either they're lying to themselves or they genuinely believe it, but they're just saying something because they know if they speak the truth, mm -hmm. then it's going to compromise their uh, finances or compromise their relationships mm -hmm. with others. Uh, I truly believe that more and more people are starting to become uh, vocal about it, mm -hmm. but for a long period of time, even before October 7th, right. people understood not that uh, maybe they can't point Palestine Israel on a map, but right. they knew like, oh, there is uh, a battle between these two entities and there's always uh, propaganda or something coming from uh, this larger uh, faceless group of elitism. Even though it's a genocide, like, yeah, the situation in Palestine, it's unfortunate, you know. There's over 30,000 people that have been killed. There's uh, the homes that have been demolished. There's um, over 2 million uh, people in Gaza displaced. But when you see the bright side of it, there's people who are seeing, like, the truth now. There are people who are in support of Palestine now outside of the Arab realm, outside of the Muslim realm, you know, that are, that are now in support of Palestine. Right. There's also the amount of people that converted, you know. They see the beauty that's happening within the genocide. There's, there's Palestinians that even though through all the darkness that's been happening, they're st they still find a way to smile. They still find a way to, to laugh through it. If they are able to laugh, how can we present that to the people? There's light at the end of the underground tunnel. Yes. <laughs> hey, man. I had to. I had to. Um, yeah, no, I mean, I think you bring up good points. And I'm going to steal that tag, by the way. Gonna 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 <laughs> Here, it's yours. It's yours. You can take it. No, 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 no. Um, you were saying I'm sorry. Now I lost my train of thought. But, um, well, going back to that point of there's light at the end of the tunnel is uh, more so saying that these war crimes that are being committed, the justification that's coming from Israel's uh, propaganda is, oh, this is all Hamas is doing, right? We have to kill all these people and, uh, you know, just put all these uh, bombs and destroy hospitals and uh, kill children and women who are uh, completely innocent yeah. as a justification because of what Hamas did. Yeah, Hamas is, look, Hamas is not the problem, you know? It's like, as, like they, they try to, oh, Hamas is this, Hamas is the problem. There's no Hamas in the West Bank. Yeah, so, and, and at the end of the day, 
Israel, you guys are the ones using the weapons, uh, you know, bringing the troops in. Sure, initially it was occupied land, mm-hmm. um, and um, you know the there was Hamas operating within Gaza, mm-hmm. and you know whatever concerns you had there. Obviously, when you're going to occupy a population for that long, who were original owners of the land and pushing them, and mm-hmm. you know having the ability to even before uh, uh, you know them cutting the fuel and electricity, like having control over what goes in, what goes out, who goes in, who goes out, mm-hmm. um, and you know getting away with so much crime even before mm-hmm. October seventh, that is going to build a. Uh, a rebel group um, that's going to eventually want to break free from a open air prison con- uh, and concentration camp. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So it's just uh, very uh, it, laughable almost that, yeah. as we say, that it's, I can't believe that you're saying that killing innocent children and innocent women, it's it's justified. I, ju- I, I just can't. I just can't wrap my head around that. Yeah, it's like a. Yeah, there's no way to justify it. Like, there's no way to justify their actions. There's no way to, like, I mean, it's like resistance is justified. Mm-hmm. Resistance is justified. Like, we're like we don't have an army. We're just trying to, like, Hamas is just trying to protect their people. You know, more yeah. than anything. And even and international be... international law sh- says that a occupied population is allowed to resist in any means necessary. Mm-hmm. So isn't this resistance from an occupied population? So in these uh, escalation of the, you know, South Africa filing the case with the ICJ, it's, you know, it's, it's a sign of, you know, people are finally waking up with the Palestinian cause and the Palestinian fight. It goes back to your point of there's, you know, a little bit of goodness coming out of a lot of badness. And yeah. hopefully the goodness eventually overtakes the badness. Yeah, I'm just say shout out Abu Abedin, man. He's the realist. <laughs> day one since day one. No. <laughs> when, it, when it comes to your comedy, uh, you know, obviously the themes now as they should be revolve around uh, what's happening in Palestine as well as your identity as a Palestinian. Mm-hmm. Was that kind of your theme before that too, that still talking about the occupation and uh, you being a Palestinian or were there other themes? That so, you had- no. Um, beforehand, um, so I started uh, doing like TikTok and stand-up around the same time. Um, I got known for my TikToks. That's what like popped off like over the course of the past five years. And... Like, I do gas station content. That was, like, my main thing, you know. Like, I was doing sketches around that and my experiences at the gas station. Never or not much really talking about, like, my identity. So you were appropriating my people's culture? 100%. <laughs> yeah, man. It's, uh, like, I never, like, uh, I mean, so right now, like, I've, I've, I've been, like, damn near, like, almost a year, like, break off TikTok. I post little bits here and there, but nothing really like substantial. Um, but over the course of this past year, I started asking myself, well, what is it that I really want? Even before like all this stuff happening with Palestine, like even for myself personally as a Muslim, you know, because I'm a Muslim first more than anything, so that's most important to me. I'm like, what is it that I really want to say? 
what is it I'm, I'm trying to tell the people, whether about myself, my own experiences as an American Muslim, as an American Palestinian? What is it that I want to say, whether it be on stage or whether it be on video? So I, this past year, I've really took them, taken that time to kind of like self-reflect on like, what is it I'm trying to say? And it's been, uh, while, still, like, while still trying to make people laugh, you know, I don't want it to yeah. just be serious all the time, you know? It's like, I still want to have that fun aspect of that, like, that people like, love about me and that I love about myself is like, more importantly. You know? So it's, um, beforehand, no, not as much, but um, little bits of hints of it here and there, but I never really made that the focus point. Um, which is, um, at first I was very like anti, like, oh man, I don't want to do something for my people, whatever. I just want to be funny. You know, I just want to be funny. But I feel like when there is that depth, there is that extension added to it, while not making it completely about that, I think a lot of people resonate with that and appreciate that a lot more. And that's what I've been trying to like, I guess, do more on stage, you know, and do more with my content. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to rebrand eventually with what I do. Um, into things that are a lot more meaningful while still being hilarious. So, yeah. like me and Rami have been, um, uh, for example, like I produced a short film with Rami called Makluba, um, and our friend Shadi and Momo Khan. So we've uh, been uh, we released that about a year ago, and alhamdulillah, like there's an American Palestinian story behind it, you know, while still hilarious, you know, it was a, it was a 25, 30 minute short film that we filmed for a second time, or the first time around that we filmed, like we scrapped it because it didn't turn out good. And then we wrote, we wrote the story a bit and alhamdulillah, like we won a few awards, Rami, Rami won a few awards for acting in it as well. Cause he was the main, he played the main character, uh, Jamal in the movie. So it's available on YouTube uh, to watch. Um, if he's the main character, were you an NPC then? Yeah, 100%. I was just... <laughs> just <laughs> GTA. <laughs> Hamas, no. <laughs> no, uh, we were... Um, but yeah, but there was that. And then we also... Um, there's another um, film that we're currently working on. I'm not going to disclose any information at the moment. But we just started getting into pre-production at the moment, so we're planning to film in the summertime as well. But things that tell a story, things that uh, things that have meaning behind it, rather than just uh, knock knock jokes. Yeah, just like knock knock jokes. Because like what I realized like over the years of me like doing TikTok, um, it's yeah, they're funny videos and people find it hilarious. And even people that work at gas stations like, oh, that happened to me too. You know, and that, it resonates in that type of way, but. There's nothing that, that people take home with, you know. I'm not right. building a community around this. It's like after they watch my video, three, four scrolls later, it's like you're almost forgotten about, you know. And it's like, well, I want something that sticks with the people. I want to build a community around it, and especially from our own people too. Like I want, I want to do like like something for the Muslim community, something that people actually enjoy, you know. So like, um, while still being myself, while still being funny, you know. So that's that's what I've been trying to shift towards and. Um, I'm planning to host soon. I have some more content coming out soon. Uh, so to answer your question, beforehand, no, but yeah. um, not as much. Very subtly, but not like as much. But I'm I'm trying to do something for for my people, for Muslims and Palestinians. So um, yeah.
Thank well, you. So, so thank you, Hamas, for October the 7th. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, Yazid, we're cutting that out. Don't say that. <laughs> stop. Stop. Stop it. No. No. <laughs> um, I was going to say um, most of the comedians that I personally listen to, like uh, Dave Chappelle mm -hmm. or um, uh, Dave Chappelle, uh, these uh, comedians that I listen to, they tend to have a more underlying theme with their comedy. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they can be very raunchy or sometimes be very provocative or um, racially motivated, mm -hmm. um, racially insensitive. That's my favorite. Yeah, but <laughs> <laughs> the racially insensitive. Um, uh, all right, rank your races. No, I'm kidding. Um, Black. No. <laughs> um, but but there is that overall theme that he connects all the dots that oh this story that i told here it relates back to you know the relationship black people have with white people um like one of his biggest uh jokes is um how old is 15 really um mm -hmm. and in that segment he's talking about he starts off with R. Kelly pissing on this 15-year-old girl, mm -hmm. and then somehow, some way, he goes from that to relating it to a 15-year-old white girl who got kidnapped, and how that was on the news everywhere, and how when an eight-year-old black girl got kidnapped, that wasn't, no one talked about it. Mm -hmm. um, and then, you know, he related it back to full circle, like, mm -hmm. so how old is 15 really? Like, if you can't uh, uh, you know, make it out of uh, someone's house that uh, uh, you know kidnapped you. You should at least be able to decide if you want to get pissed on or not, right? <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, it, like that lens of comedy, I feel like it's a lot deeper. That you can, um, it can be funny, but relate it back to an overall theme of um. There's, there's deeper meaning behind this. And mm -hmm. like with the age of TikTok now, everything is just, all right, scroll, selective attention. And I'm just going to, like, I'm sure the average time someone spends on one TikTok is probably like five to 10 seconds because if it doesn't get their interest up front, then they're just going to scroll through it. Mm -hmm. So it's almost, it's almost like people are trying to create content that would favor the algorithm and it, ruins creativity in a way mm -hmm. that, oh, I'm just doing what's going to get clicks or what's going to get views mm -hmm. rather than creating a full-fledged cohesive piece. So I have a lot of appreciation for comedians and people who are able to do like a whole one hour plus stand-up mm -hmm. and it's able to keep the audience engaged and there's a overall uh, theme um, that people can take home. Mm -hmm. I hope I can do that. Yeah, no, I <laughs> I'm mean, trying, that's... but it's uh, like, I mean, this is why like stand up is considered like one of the hardest forms of entertainment because it takes long to a long time to because most comedians don't see some sort of like uh, pop or result until like 10, 15 years into like doing stand up, right. and that's like. Like they finally got their first break, you know, that, that takes them to that next level or viral clip or whatever it may be. So it's, it takes a long time. Like, like Seinfeld said this, it's like, oh, your agent comedy is how long you've been doing it for. I've said this on a lot of different like, uh, like platforms, but it's a, 
Like he's like, if you're like, if you're like two, three years in, you're still like a baby, you know? Like you're still trying to formulate words and sentences. Like you're versus like you're 10 years in, it's like, oh man, I know how to do math now. You know what I mean? I'm good at this. So it's like you're, it's, it's a muscle that you train consistently over and over and over. So it's, it's constant rinse and repeat. Like you see what works with different audiences. You, you go to these mics, even though they're like the worst open mics in the world. Yeah. You, like you're, but you're just running as you're running a bit and you're trying to see what works and what hits. And, um, one in, what doesn't you scrap out what does all right how, how do i add on this how do i go deeper how do i go without uh while still keeping audience attention so it's um maybe this is missing a tag maybe the pacing here was different yes. than when i performed like uh when i performed like 30 minutes or, or i'm sorry like two open mics ago it's like oh like i said it slower here and it hit harder you know so it's like yeah. maybe i gotta perform it like this you know so or maybe the words change so it's constant 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 rinse and repeat um but it takes time. It takes time. Uh, some comedians are, are, are able to put out material in such a short notice time. Like I, I know some comedians that they, they write a new hour every two months, you know, a new hour, complete new hour, you know, some, uh, some comedians, it takes a whole like two years or three years to, find, to finally complete like their full piece, you know? So, um, I mean, for Rami, for example, for his hour, like he wrote his hour within a two month span. Like he just started writing and wanted to talk about what was going on. Yeah. So, I mean. Um, and I'm sure there were moments where he was writing and then some crazy event happened. Mm -hmm. And it's like, oh, I got to scrap that because the facts completely changed and exactly. that won't work anymore. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. So in, that, in, in, this, in this hour that he's performing is everything that he's performed for the past five years. Like all that material is not even included in this hour. So it's like this is just Dang. brand new stuff, and then that all all that other stuff he's gonna use for future stuff. We're just giving so much free publicity to Rami right now. That's my boy, man. I love him, man. So it, I mean, he like I, he reps he reps Palestine heavy, bro. Like that's like that's he's my dog, bro. Like I like I genuinely look up to this guy. You know, like he's an amazing writer, an amazing actor, in like an amazing stand-up comedian. So like he's like. Shout out to this guy, man. And you guys go back all the way since the beginning of Terminal 5, right? Yeah. So, so how did that come about? The way uh, T5 started, so Rami actually had the idea for T5. So me and Eunice, we went to high school together. So Eunice is part of T5 as well. He, he reached out to me like uh, after high school. He was like, hey, like I'm looking to do stand-up. Like, Let's go to open mics together. So we went to a few together, but then we stopped. And then once I transferred over to my UIC, my university, he also transferred as well. And then we, we were, and I just started doing stand up at that time. It was my first time doing like an open mic, like in 2017. And he saw me, I was doing stand up. He's like, oh man, like let me know if there's anything else going on. And then randomly, we'd start randomly like running to each other on the bus stop, like every single, like, like almost every morning, you know? Like, oh, snap, oh, snap, dude, like, like, let me know what's going on. Like, dude, I'm down to do stand-up, bro. I'm like, yo, let's do it. So we started hanging up open mics together. And we were doing it for, like, a year. And then Rami reached out to us on Instagram. We didn't know this guy. Like, he's just like, oh, I see you guys are both doing stand-up. Um, I'm looking to get this group together. Like, let me know if you guys are interested. And we're like, oh, let's hear this guy out. Let's see what's going on. And uh, he seemed like good people. We were like, boom, like. He asked me if I knew anybody. I knew my friend Adel that, that just started doing stand-up not too long ago. He knew his boy Mo. 
we all met up at a random Starbucks, boycott Starbucks. But <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, random, random Starbucks, and we were like, we all had like, we all agreed with the idea of like getting this collective together to uh, do the show. And within two months' time, August 2019 was our first ever T5 show, and we we sold it out. It was our first show that we ever sold out. And from then on, we, didn't, we did a we did a follow up show like a month later. Since there was so much demand, like what? It's sold out. What's going on? Mm-hmm. And I was terrible at stand up. Like, I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't know what I, like. It's, it's obviously, I'm a year in. You know, I don't know. I don't know like. I don't know what hits, what doesn't. I didn't even. I didn't even know understand that there was like a whole art to this yet. You know, I was barely like, like dipping my toes into it. You know, so but yet we were still on this momentum of just like doing shows. So we were like, all right, let's. We saw that another show in Chicago. We did another show in Chicago. And then like eventually we were like, all right, let's see what we can do out of state. We were doing out of state. We were selling shows out of state. And we were just getting better as we were going. So it was, uh, I mean, pandemic happened, of course, and that kind of like took a pause. But like even after pandemic, we were like, we just kept the ball rolling and like we're just getting better and better. But so it's, uh, it's, it's dope to see, man. I mean, there's not. There's not much Muslims or Arabs uh, or Daisies really doing like stand up like that on the scene. And even if we are like, even if we are, they are like, we're very divided. And we were probably like the only group that's kind of like existed like in this moment, you know. There's yeah. been there's been groups before, like Hassan Minhaj had his group uh, called Goatface Comedy like back in the day. So that was like kind of like their version, you know. But like since then, there hasn't been much, you know. So um, we've been doing this for a minute now and it's. Uh, they're my brothers, bro. I love them so much, man. It's it's more than just like oh, we're we're comedians doing stand up. Like, like we're like when we go and do shows, like we roll deep, man. It's like it, it feels like you have you feel this like sense of brotherhood, you know? Like you feel this sense of like camaraderie that like I feel like you won't really see anywhere else, and it shows on stage. It shows it, you know. And I feel like people rock with that a lot more, more than anything else, you know. So like they see that, they're like. I want to support that. I want to go see that. It's like, what, what are these guys about? You know, so it's 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 super dope. Like, and like I, part of the reason honestly I'm still continuing doing stand up is because of them. You know, like I probably would have quit stand up a while ago if it's if it wasn't like they didn't keep motivating me, they didn't keep like encouraging me like to just keep moving. Like, and then I would have seen the 38th gas station TikTok. Yeah, <laughs> I would have just still been doing gas station TikTok. So I was just like, eh, like. Is there more to this? So it's like, uh, but no, Alhamdulillah, man. This is, uh, it, it was, it's dope to be a part of, a part of this and to keep going with this too. So whether it be T5 or within our own individual uh, creative efforts, it's, uh, it's been amazing, Alhamdulillah, man. So this is just a guess. I don't know this for sure, but the name Terminal Five does that come from O'Hare's? Terminal five. One hundred percent. And because it's five of you guys and that's the international yep. gate. All right. I I before I moved here, I saw when we started following each other, I saw the terminal five comment. I'm like, I don't know what that means, right? Mm-hmm. But okay. It might maybe it's because there are five of them, you know, uh-huh. the stand up comedy one direction, something like that, right? Yeah. So anyways, then I had a first my first international flight out of O'Hare and I was like, Terminal five. Oh, Oh shoot! You have put two and two I together. Put it, I put it together. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I feel like it's a, it's very, uh, it's a very Chicago thing. But I feel like even like outside of Chicago, a lot of Terminal Fives in other cities are also international terminals too. Mm-hmm. So to an extent, some people do relate to that. 
but like most people in Chicago will know about like aha you know it's like they they put that they put two and two together so it's a yeah Rami thought of that idea like of just like of this collective you know so shout out Rami man he's he's the guy bro for real so now that you guys are going on your uh Rami's doing like his solo tour is he basically like Zayn Malik of the One Direction you know experimenting being alone yeah I mean um Rami has done it beforehand um like he did like New York a year ago by himself and he was able to sell out New York by himself wow so um, when he did his hour for the first time a month ago he sold that out as well and yeah I mean it's um the thing is like even if we're doing our own like like individual like efforts like within within whatever creative aspect we're doing whether it be in film whether it be in stand-up it's like our group still sticks together like i don't think we'd ever like part ways yeah when it comes to like that aspect like we're always going to stay brothers we're always going to stay like we're always going to stay together like um and honestly like with what rami is doing like it's it's not possible without all of us collectively helping out with the tour as well with booking some of the uh the venues with um like with the producing with production of the show of like uh we're creating the we're creating the event right because we don't have like a showrunner like this is yeah. this is all like through our own independent efforts it's like whether it be t5 or individual efforts um even for like when he ran his hour like i was his i wasn't only performing but i was also his videographer as well so so i perform i was recording for that too so it's it's not like it's it's never a one man show it's like all of this is possible through like like through us and then also like our like our other friends that are uh, are with us all along the way like even like Malik and Talib bro Malik was there as well like he was there for uh, our, uh, the T5 show and like um like people like Malik people like you that bring us on the pod and like in and hearing like muslim and like out of voices like it's it, it, as much as as much as some people may think that it's a it's a small little droplet you know it's a big it's like multiple different jobs makes a big difference so it's like so we just want to say we appreciate you mr zayn butla podcast so <laughs> but uh alhamdulillah alhamdulillah you know so it's it's never a one man show it's uh, it's a it's a team you know and that team is what it's like it's like it's it's like that one old quote it's like if you want to If you want to travel alone, go fast. If you want to go, if you want to travel with a group, go far. Or something. I think I'm butchering it, but it's something, <laughs> something along those lines, you know? So so in 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 a way, I know I made the analogy to One Direction earlier. Mm-hmm. But you guys more so seem like the Wu-Tang Clan because you got your full clan and then each member can do their own thing, but at the end of the day, y'all still a brotherhood. 100%, bro. Wu-Tang. Wu-Tang. Bro, I just I just realized because I had to talk talk to you about this. Mm. Uh, I have a confession to make to you. Ooh! Remember when we uh, first uh, talked on Clubhouse uh-huh. and we were talking about different anime, and you were like, "Bro, One Piece is the greatest anime of all time." Blah blah. Uh-huh. blah. And I was like, "I will never in my life start One Piece. There's uh-huh. just too many episodes. Okay. Too many. Okay." I started one piece. Let's go. <laughs> But my man. Wow, wow. Hell yeah. But like here's what what I've been doing and it, maybe this is going to be like the new fitness trend. Mm. 
I've been doing my own like one piece fitness plan where for one hour I will watch one piece on the treadmill. Oh, snap. So if I'm on the treadmill, just watch an hour straight of one piece, stop where I stop and then pick it back up. Oh, wait, wait, wait. so where are you at right now? Like what episode? Uh, I'm on like episode, so Sanji just came in. Oh, so you're still fresh, fresh. I'm very fresh. Oh, wow. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. Sanji still just got in the picture. Uh -huh. um, and yeah, that's, that's, that's where I'm at. I'm like way in the beginning, in the 30s. Wow. Um, it picks up in the 60s. I hear it picks up in episode 592, so. Yeah, it's um, one of the first like turning moments is like within like the 60, like uh, within the 60s range. So you'll, it's it's one of the more like one of the more dope fights that you'll be seeing, like the uh, the relationship between like people, uh, the, the crew between Luffy and everyone else. So it's, uh, I think. Uh, I'm in for a treat. You're in, you're in for a treat, man. You're in for a treat, so. Um, but you're gonna realize like these beginning episodes like oh it's some of it in the beginning it's slow i get it you know yeah but it's honestly not even that bad i mean even when the you know when usopp was introduced mm -hmm. i thought the character of the captain kuro guy i thought it was pretty interesting mm -hmm. um but i just know like anytime i tell some one piece fanatic that like yeah this part was they're like, oh just wait just wait it gets even crazier mm -hmm. and then when you just hype it up that much i'm just like like it was, it was the same thing with attack on titan because mm -hmm. um i've finished the the manga and very disappointed with the ending but in general like people who are watching uh attack on titan and maybe this is the first time they've ever watched anime mm -hmm. they're like season one they're like oh yeah that was good. oh just wait till season two when the reveal comes out yeah and uh but, but the things the difference with like attack on titan though it's like you're hooked from the first episode that is true. Like so, it's like that. There's that moment that just you're from episode one. You're locked in. You know what I mean? Yeah. With One Piece, it's different. So it's like it's uh, it's there's a lot of like like sometimes there's unnecessary filler. There's sometimes like a little bit of like things that don't necessarily correlate to the story. Or if they do correlate to the story, like Oda. Oda is uh, no. So Oda is like a master when it comes to foreshadowing. As much as you think that character has no relevance to the story, he's gonna bring it back like 500 episodes later. And you're gonna be like, what? No, you know. So it's like he's very, very, very good with that. So it's um, like the series of One Piece is like sometimes like you're thinking like these characters are like there's so so many characters in the realm of One Piece that you're still like you barely scratch the surface. Um, but once you dig deeper, it's uh, you're you are in for a really really good treat it's number one anime in the world for a reason so uh fair enough and that's why i was like i'm never gonna start this thing and then i was like you know what if i do this uh on a treadmill and do like two and a half episodes you can knock out within an hour mm -hmm. um i'm like by the time the year ends if i stay consistent which i already wasn't consistent that's why i'm Still in uh, the 30s. Now, were you not consistent because you didn't want to watch One Piece, or was it? <laughs> it was because of the treadmill, not because of One Piece. Uh, but now I bought a uh, at-home treadmill, like the the ones you put under your computer desk. Okay, nice. So that's gonna be a game changer. So mm. now, while I'm working on the treadmill, break during work, I'll have One Piece on the side here because now, now I'm committed. Wait, sub or dub? What's up? Subbed or dub? Uh, subbed. 
100%. Okay, good. I thought, I was like, all I heard was sub dub. I'm like, what? <laughs> yeah, definitely subbed every single time, uh, mm. every show, except Dragon Ball Z. Mm. That's only dubbed. Respect. But we can close it out there. Appreciate Man. you coming out, Yazid. Bro, alhamdulillah. Thank you for having me, bro. Um, we got to do a proper outro, man. Proper outro? All right. <clears throat> Give me the outro. This has been the Zane Batala podcast, the greatest podcast in the world. I've said this on every podcast, that every podcast is the greatest podcast in the world. But this <laughs> is the actual greatest podcast in the world. We are here in uh, jail. Um, this is we're in, the, in the Hamas underground tunnel. This is uh, interesting. Interesting setup, but I love it. Uh, it's a little bit of a dope aesthetic. But thank you for coming to the Zayn Batala podcast. I appreciate you having me, Mr. Zayn. Of course. <laughs> that was <Yeah>. great. <laughs> Alhamdulillah.